0: It's not in a tablet, (laughs) it's not in a skinny coffee, it's not in a 12-week challenge, it's in moving every day, something that you can set as a habit. We we don't all have the time to spend ages in the gym slogging it out and we've got other responsibilities and I think with the stress of day-to-day life, not everyone needs to go in and add more stress by getting in the gym and grinding their body down. There can be a bit of a culture with that, like you have to challenge yourself all the time. You have to push beyond your limits. A lot of people that are working in offices or anything, you're pushing your your limits in other ways. Maybe movement should be something about adding something else to your day or improving your brain function and performance so you can perform better in the office or better at work. And it doesn't always need to be about this physical
1: performance. That's Tanya Poppett, and this is The Proof Podcast. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of The Plant Proof Podcast. For new guests, I'm Simon Hill, your host. And on this show, I bring you into conversations that I have with incredible people from all walks of lives. Doctors, nutritionists, athletes, activists, chefs, business owners, people who have overcome illness, and more, covering everything from inspiring stories, nutritional science, and often looking at things in a different light. Each episode comes direct from the studio to your earbuds to hopefully encourage you to look within, delve deep into your mind, and ask yourself questions often to challenge some of the beliefs instilled in us by society and make us more conscious about the lives we lead. Today, I'm bringing you Tanya Poppet. Tanya is a head trainer at Adidas who is super passionate about health, well-being, nutrition, and in particular, encouraging people to move. In this episode, we talk about her upbringing in a really large family, the typical meals that she ate then, how and why she's changed the way she consumes food, how people close to her received those changes, the importance of exercise and and lots of fitness tips for anyone interested in moving more. I hope you enjoy it. and I'll see you on the other side. In line with the nutrition recommendations globally. To get your Essential 8 and Optimal Omega Plus, head to theproof.com forward slash friends and follow the link which will get you an extra 10% off your first order. That's theproof.com forward slash friends. Tanya Poppet, welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk all things. Plant proof.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And we were just going over the pronunciation of your name and I said, my girlfriend's name's Tanya. Yeah. So good name. So you prefer Tanya, not Tanya, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I was always called Tanya growing up, and I just got sick of correcting people. So Tanya's fine. I'll answer to both. But okay. Tanya's what my mum intended.
1: Well, I'll try and get it right during this this episode. That's all good. Now you're from Wollongong, or you live in Wollongong now? Yeah. Okay, and you you're you're up in Sydney quite regularly, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I work up at a gym in Sydney called Ion. It's a strength and conditioning gym. Small group PT or PT sessions, yeah.
1: Okay, cool. And just for even for myself, I've never actually been down to Wollongong. I've heard, yeah. I've heard oh, wow. amazing things about it, and you know, there's a lot of beautiful places to go and see there. But also for the listeners and the particularly the international listeners, can yeah. you describe where Wollongong sort of is in relation to Sydney and what it's like?
0: Okay, so Wollongong is about an hour and a half south of Sydney. And it's on the coast. It's actually a university kind of town. There's a lot of university students, which makes it fun. Especially good, kind of good nightlife. Like it's yeah, a good nice. night out. And we've also got the steelworks as well, which we're quite known for. It's kind of like a mini Newcastle. I don't know if it's bigger than Newcastle, but it's similar. Yeah. So which if you think
1: of a couple of hours north of Sydney.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we're like a small. It's a big coastal kind of town.
1: Okay. And in terms of what most people sort of get up to down there, is is it like a a big sort of culture around getting outdoors and through the parks and the beaches and stuff?
0: Yeah, we're really lucky. We've got some beautiful beaches, a lot of surfers. We have so many different beaches that face in different directions, so a lot of surfers really like it down there because there's always a break working somewhere. And... I suppose because it's such a big majority of university students, it's quite an outgoing bunch. Like everyone's pretty social and yeah, it's a nice vibe. Do okay. you ever want to head down.
1: Yeah. So if, if, if I was to head down, what are like, you know, some places that you'd say definitely go and check out, whether that's, you know, outdoors, beaches or parks or whatnot, and even places to go and eat, what would you recommend?
0: Okay. So if you're going down to Wollongong, everyone will usually go to North Wollongong Beach. And there's a cafe there called Diggy's and they do, they do, a, they will do plant-based stuff, but they also do omnivore kind of food yeah, as so well. Cater for yeah, everybody. Yeah, cater for everyone. And then everyone really likes to go to Austin, Mir, Thoreau, Coaldale up north. That's So if you're coming from Sydney, it's a bit less to drive. And then I'm from Port Kembla, which is just a little bit south of Wollongong and it's got a beautiful beach. Okay. It's not known, like it's got a pretty bad rap because Port, Port Campbell. Yeah, Port Campbell. It's used to be where the steelworks were, so people associate it with like the dirty steelworks. But it actually has some beautiful beaches. So,
1: okay, little hidden gem down there. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's getting more crowded though, so. Okay. Look out for good
1: <laughs> All right, so you, so you say where you're from? Is that where you live now in Port Campbell? Yeah. Is that where you grew up as well?
0: No, I actually grew down, grew up down in a town called Jerengong, which is a small coastal town, and it's like really beautiful. It's kind of like farm, rural area with coastline with beach.
1: Okay, so so, so if you think
0: of Byron Bay, yep. it's similar to that. We're just not as
1: popular. <laughs> Well, that's kind of a blessing in disguise Yeah, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. So maybe don't say that too loudly. Yeah, I know. Okay. So is that, that's further south again?
0: Yeah. So that's about two hours south of Sydney. Okay. So if you've seen on TV, if you're from Australia, you would have heard the Natural Necessity Surf Shop ad.
1: Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. I'm from. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Claim to fame. Yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, a lot of people commute from Wollongong to Sydney, right? How often are you coming up to Sydney to work? And do you do you drive, like, or take drive and train? I know sort of people mix it up a bit.
0: So yeah, I take the train. There's no way I could drive in that traffic. It would. I feel like it would just add another stress to my day. Whereas if I go. On the train, it's only an hour and a half and I can just switch off. I can listen to podcasts. I listen to yours quite a bit. Oh, thank
1: you. Thank yeah. you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah, I can just switch off, answer emails, do whatever. I like that time for myself. Yeah, it's actually not that bad at all.
1: Okay. And growing up down in, let me see if I can get the name of this town right. It started with a G. Was it with a G? Djerangong. Djerangong. Is that yeah. with a G or a
0: J? G. G, okay. Yeah.
1: What was... What was life like for you growing up as a as a kid, sort of part of a typical family down there? And, yeah. and what what sort of did you get up to You know, as a family? Did you have siblings and were you into sport and things like that?
0: Yeah. So I actually come from a family of nine children, all from my parents. Wow. And I will say we did have a TV growing up. That's what everyone likes to say. They're like, oh, did your parents own the TV? No, we did. <laughs> so I've got, yeah, nine brothers, eight brothers and sisters, nine of us in total. And we were pretty sporty. Mum and Dad always encouraged us to try sport. We did like touch some days, swimming other days, nippers, um, which is like a little surf lifesaving kind of thing down on the beach. And we did little athletics. And yeah,
1: God, your parents must have been busy. Yeah, what was the what's the age gap from the oldest to the youngest?
0: So my oldest sister is forty one. And my youngest brother is now twenty
1: one. Twenty one. Okay. And yeah. where do you where do you fit in? sort of midway.
0: I'm second youngest.
1: Second youngest. Yeah. So
0: there's okay. a big gap between me and my little brother.
1: Wow. The um the the dinner tables must have been jam packed.
0: Yeah, we didn't eat at a dinner table.
1: But <laughs> we... There must have been. Was there, Was there? Was it rushing to get the who yeah. was going to get seconds first? Yes,
0: <laughs> for sure. There was always a fight. Yeah. yeah, and I wasn't going to fight with my bigger brothers, no
1: way. <laughs> and what sort of, what was like the regular meals, I guess, that you guys were enjoying as a family and, and, and arguing over for seconds?
0: So definitely like more of a British-inspired food, as we tend to have yeah. down in Australia. Meat, three veg. Mum would make, like, mum didn't like pasta actually, but she'd make a heap of pasta because it was cheap. Um, my dad's a fisherman, so he would go out and catch fish and then bring them back to eat. Yeah, yeah
1: well, I guess being as efficient as possible. Exactly. I mean, that's important in any family, let yeah. alone nine nine mouths to feed. Yeah, they did breakfast, lunch, an amazing dinner.
0: They did an amazing job. Like I am in awe of them because none of them like we're earning a whole lot of money either. My dad's a postman, my mum's an aerobics instructor. So you can imagine it was quite a tight budget.
1: Yeah. And during, so you mentioned that you were very active, you know, you, you and your siblings were doing things like nippers and whatnot. As you were going through school, was was health and fitness like a, a really big part of your life, you know, heading towards, I guess, graduating and, and thinking about what you wanted to do?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I... All through primary school, we were all active and encouraged to play sport. Like even in like school, we everyone was out in the field playing all the time.
1: But, no iPads. Um, no, no iPads back <laughs> then.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, we did have computers though. So if you did want to go to the library, you could spend all our time in the library. But I don't think anyone did that. Um So yeah, we're all pretty active. I was... Probably more of a creative type, though at school. Like, and I would try sport, but I was never awesome. I would like, I would always try, and I always wanted to be good. But I'm quite uncoordinated. So.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have picked that from from like looking at the content that you put up. I would have yeah. thought that coordination was, at, you know, one of your strengths. No,
0: I've worked hard on it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was quite the gimpy kid actually, but I'd always give my best shot.
1: How, how old are you now?
0: So I'm 27.
1: 27. Don't yeah. I mean? Don't you think it's kind of funny? Like when I when I was growing up, I don't know about you, but I, I never thought I'd get to the stage where I'm like, back in my day. Yeah, now, exactly. Now, like when I think about getting outside and playing in kids now with iPads, it's yeah. like, geez, I'm oh. having one of those back in my day. Yeah, moments.
0: <laughs> definitely. Oh, you know you're old when you see someone like that your peers with, and they write their birthday is like a 2000. or
1: something. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh my gosh. I know. Yeah, you start going. Wow, they're 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 already like at university. Yeah. Born in the 2000s. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> okay. So heading, heading when you, I guess when you were going through high school, your, mm-hmm. your, what you were eating sort of just stayed the same the whole way through.
0: No. So I got quite health conscious, but not in a healthy way when I was a teenager. And I suppose that's what inspires a lot of my content these days. When I was younger, I actually developed a lot earlier than my peers. Well, I notice myself developing a lot earlier than my peers, and it's kind of confronting when you're a young girl and you see your body changing before everyone else's. And at that age, you're so wanting just to fit in with everyone else and compare yeah, yourself you to, to everyone be judged else. And, yeah,
1: um, yeah, you don't want to stand out. Yeah, exactly.
0: You know? So. From a young age, I was really body conscious, which is quite unfortunate. And I feel like it's a big, it's getting younger and younger these days as well with social media mm-hmm. and,
1: and it's very with easy this now.
0: body image. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's very easy now for kids to compare themselves to more and more people Definitely. and it doesn't just stop when they leave school now, because when they get home, it's mm-hmm. it's on social media. It's a 24 hours yeah. you know, thing that they would be having to deal with.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: so okay so you had this this period where you developed a little bit earlier than some of your your friends at school yeah and you know how did this sort of transpire what was that part of your life like
0: so I don't know what inspired me to start running but I think i had this notion that if I the sportier I was and the more active I was the like skinnier and kind of healthier I'm putting like My two quotation marks up. I would be, and yeah, I just started exercising. Not too bad, like not not too excessively. Like I'd go for a walk with my dogs, and I was already doing a lot of sport as well. So I started training outside of that and doing extra stuff to because I knew the more active I was, the um, thinner I would be. And then I started getting into long distance running. So. At Little Athletics, that was the thing that I knew if I worked hard for, I could be competitive in, and I started seeing quite good results. Like because I was training hard and working hard, I was getting better and better as I went.
1: So some of that was around the challenge of performing, but yeah. al- also achieving this body image yeah. that you had. Was it yeah. was that still a big part in the in the running?
0: Definitely. And in cross country running, there is quite a body image then you wouldn't expect it because everyone's so performance-driven. But a lot of the girls will go to be skinnier because it makes them lighter, it makes them faster. So as you go through the ranks, you'll see like every now and again, a girl will like be super skinny and she'll start performing really well. And then all of a sudden she gets an injury or a stress fracture. But um, I was never like super, super competitive. I just liked the fact that I could work hard and achieve results. Kind so, of thing.
1: So what what age is this roughly when that when this sort of all started?
0: So this was between the age of thirteen and sixteen, okay. I think, was where I became quite obsessive about it. And then on the food front, I would be quite restrictive. So this is back in the early two thousands where low fat was still mm. a big thing and all the like the food you see was like either diet or low fat. So I was like trimming every like ounce, because I used to eat meat back then, I was trimming every ounce of fat off my meat, draining all the mince. As like that, a 13, all the 14, year
1: old And, and what were your parents sort of watching how this sort of mini obsession with fitness and health and what you look like translated into your food?
0: Yeah. So my mum, I think she did go, she went around it a really good way. Like she was never forceful, but she was always there about educating me. And like saying, well, your body needs this fuel if it's going to perform and you can't be starving yourself mm-hmm. and giving me all these, um, like just slowly, like never really forcefully, but letting me find out on myself, by myself.
1: Yeah. yeah. Naturally, I guess if it was more of a forceful approach, probably more likely to, to rebel. rebel. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I can see that that would be yeah. a, a nice way to sort of, Help guide a teenager to hopefully make the right decision yeah. by themselves. Yeah. So, was there during this stage? You know, you're you're exercising a lot. You're you're controlling what you're eating. Were Were you like body shaming yourself in terms of how what you thought about yourself? Were you how Were you Were you feeling positive about yourself? Like, what was it like? And also, were other Were you, your friends? you know, doing similar things in terms of tracking the food that they were eating at at a young age like that?
0: Um, Not really. My friends were actually quite like supportive of me as well. And they're like, oh, you're doing such good things with your sport. And yeah, they were never really body conscious themselves. I just was, I don't know, I suppose because my mom was in the fitness industry as well. I would always read these magazines, see all these titles on how to lose fat, how to lose like fat around your waist, all this stuff that is just, I think it just perpetuates that body image and that ideal of, uh, like any aesthetic ideals, like there's this perfect body type. And yeah, I found that as I went through my teenage years, I just was aiming for something that wasn't me and wasn't healthy. It was what I was comparing myself to.
1: Mm. And so easy to fall into the trap of, just, you know, you're reading all this stuff, you're exposed to all this stuff at a young age when you're really impressionable yeah. and it becomes ingrained in you and you just think, okay, well, if this is what society expects of me.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I. It took a while for me to get out of that headspace, even going in through uh, my teenage, uh, past my teenage years into university. That's when I started to move out of that because I was, I was actually at university to come to become a teacher. And I went through my degree being a teacher and I got into fitness and into another side of fitness. It wasn't just running, learning to strengthen my body and seeing how I can get my body to perform in that way. And it kind of shifted my mindset from that body image into more of a performance-based goal. And that's when I realized that maybe I wanted to pursue this career because this is something I want to shift that mindset away from.
1: Yeah. ideal. do you sort of look back now, I guess, being in the position where you are now as a trainer and having a lot of influence over people that you're training, but people also on social Mm -hmm. media, do you look back and I guess almost appreciate those, the challenges and I guess adversity and things that you faced as a 13, 14, 15 year old because of what it's taught you? Yeah.
0: Such a good like learning opportunity. And I feel like a lot of trainers are in that same position where they've come out of that thing of just wanting to punish their bodies and realizing that that's not the best way to achieve a healthy lifestyle. And I think that's what drives a lot of people, or they could have come from maybe being an overweight person and wanting to create a healthy lifestyle that way. So I think adversity is a big driver and where you've been, you kind of want to teach people so they don't go to the same place.
1: And I want to dive deep into the training side of things and and what your what you do on a personal level but also, you know, what you recommend for for others and how you train your clients and things like that. But before we move into that, at what stage of your life did you start to think more about the food that was on your plate in terms of animal versus plant things like that and and what what inspired that?
0: So, I first started to have a think about it back in 2014, I remember um, just being more conscious about the food I was eating and where it was coming from. So the reason I chose to go plant-based was purely from an ethical standpoint. I just started to connect what I was eating. I always had a problem with what I was eating and not Like not realizing and not associating it with an animal. So, if I was eating beef, I wasn't, when I was eating it, it was just like this thing on my plate. It wasn't a dead cow kind of thing. So, that was when I started, like, when I started associating with that, I always had a problem with it. And I started to think of ways that I could start eating more of a plant based diet. And there's like a lot of, like resources out back then as well. Like it was starting to come quite mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The thing that held me back for so long was like I was worried about my health. I was like, how am I going to get my protein? How am I going to get my iron, my B12? And mom had always drummed into me that I needed to eat red meat. So I'd get my B12 and my iron and yeah, especially as a female
1: Mm.
0: and someone who's quite active. Yeah.
1: So how did that um, I guess transition play out for you in terms of I guess arming yourself with the knowledge to feel confident to eliminate some of these foods from the from your plate?
0: So I remember specifically I we went me and my boyfriend went to Canada. What's
1: his name? Geoffroy. Geoffroy. He's, he's a
0: French Canadian. Shout
1: out to Geoffroy.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He, um, we should have brought him in. Yeah, no. <laughs> Next time. He's a better talker than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we went to Canada and I was like, it like Montreal's actually really quite known for their vegan scene. They've got awesome vegan restaurants. If you can ever get out to Montreal. Yeah,
1: well, I'm thinking I'm thinking maybe a trip to Canada at some point, maybe this year. I was yeah. gonna go to Vancouver, so maybe I'll have to throw in Montreal. It's
0: on the other side, but it's yeah. worth it. <laughs> in summer, it's quite quite festive, quite good. Yeah, yeah. so my boyfriend and I, I forced him to come to these vegan cafes with me. And I was like, let's try these vegan restaurants. So this is in
1: Montreal? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
0: And I want to give it a go because I've been seeing it, like been seeing all this like vegan inspiration. And I was like, there's people that can do it healthy. I just want to learn how I can start incorporating yeah, more yeah. vegan meals into my day-to-day.
1: After the challenge, you'll retest your 10 biomarkers and see the proof of how powerful these science backed habits really are. Head over to theproof.com forward slash living proof to download your zero cost copy of the Living Proof Longevity Challenge today. That's theproof.com forward slash living proof. Look forward to joining you on this journey. And what what did you think just before you go into taking him for that meal? What did you think about? The word vegan or vegans, I guess, growing up as you sort of came across it, what did you have any preconceived ideas?
0: Definitely had that preconceived idea of them being someone who's like going to force this down on me, preaching like how bad I am for eating meat. And that's something that was quite scary for me. Um, And I kind of felt like it was this cult-like thing, like it was like a religion rather than the community that it is. So yeah, I suppose it was quite confronting. Like I didn't want to go straight into vegan because and or label myself straight away because I didn't want people judging me if I did fall out of it or had a slip up or anything like that. So it was quite like a, just an adventurous thing to start with.
1: Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people are like that, you know, yeah. at the start just, and I think it's a nice way of doing it, not announcing something, a label. I mean, it might work for some people, but more often than not, it can put a lot of pressure, particularly even just around, you know, it might spark debates or conversations that you're personally not really ready for yet because, like, you can, you know, in a couple of weeks read a lot of books, but to really sort of feel comfortable in talking about if someone was to sort of push your buttons on why you're not eating meats, I think – that comes with like a bit of time.
0: Yeah. I still get quite uncomfortable because people tend to be quite defensive around their food choices and I never want to make anyone feel bad for what yeah. they're doing. But yeah, I, I notice even with my friends or well, I don't have to say anything. I'll just be eating yeah. like my vegan meal and they'll be like, so did you know vegans? La, 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 la. And I'm like, Oh, all right. I don't want to talk about it. This yeah. is my meal. I love it. And I've been eating this way for four years, so you're not gonna convince me. Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes like. it's you're right, it's tricky and you don't wanna make someone feel bad. Exactly. Like I was I was talking to someone yesterday, I won't I won't name them. His fiance mm-hmm. is pregnant and, yeah. and they're vegan. Yeah. And they were um having dinner with a non vegan family oh, who yeah. had kids and stuff and like the kids were Stuffing their face with junk food and all processed crap, like yeah. crap, just junk, right? Yeah. And yet, the parents were like quizzing her about How, oh, is your baby going to be vegan? And she was just like, Oh, uh, this thinking in her head, like, I'm not even going to get started. Like, sometimes it's you do need to bite your tongue, you need to, yeah, you need to sort definitely. of pick and choose, like, is this the right place to try? And am I going to come across as making them feel bad or preachy? Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes it's just, it's, I still find it challenging today. So yeah, I think definitely. as experiences, as you get, there's still always going to be times where it can be tricky. Yeah. So, okay, let's come back to Montreal. Yeah. You you said, let's go uh, and check out some vegan places. Yeah. What was your experience like?
0: It was awesome. Me and my boyfriend both like loved it. We were just I thought it was really cool with the things that you could do. I was assuming that vegans would just eat like salad and veggies and um, there wasn't much variance. But there's some awesome things you can do with food. And I was always quite inspired because I did like cooking. I've always liked cooking. Not really when I get like home late from a working day. (laughs) But, yeah, I do like experimenting in the kitchen. So I kind of went away from that knowing that there's so many different things that you can try, things that you can experiment with. And it's kind of a little bit of a creative outlet as well when experimenting with different ways of cooking. So yeah, I went away with new thoughts and I was more and more questioning what I was eating and why I was eating it. So thinking about why do I need to eat this meat if there's so many other options out there and Then I was thinking how I could make this into a full meal without me losing any of the nutrients and being able to refuel my body and able myself to keep training and live a nice active life. Then I was still eating meat, but I was trying to eat more plant-based and we got back from Canada we had like one of those Netflix days. I think we were jet lagged or something. So we just like... binge. Up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Netflix binge. <laughs> and we watched the Cowspiracy documentary. Yeah, yeah. And I watched that and I was like, straight away, just, okay. The reason why I'm not being vegan is it's selfish. So the, I, I don't want to eat animals anymore. I don't want to contribute to one of the major causes in climate change. And yeah, I decided that I'd go full vegan straight out of the bat (laughs) from then. So from then I was like, nope, Jeff, we're going vegan. I'm just going to be cooking vegan meals. You can do whatever you want outside of the house, but I'm just going to be cooking vegan meals from now on. And it's been going strong since
1: then. (laughs) I think- there's a lot more weight to a documentary like Cowspiracy yeah. when you have already been and tried some food. Yeah. Like you had that experience. Yeah. So I think if you watched Cowspiracy and you thought that vegan food was just lettuce and salad, yeah. I think you you may well feel bad, but then you go, okay, it's, well, so hard. it's not gonna yeah. be sustainable for yeah. like so what what am I to do? But when you when you can connect when you when you feel the ethical side of things and you feel responsible mm-hmm. and then you know that it's there's an abundance of food out there that you can eat that hasn't come from factory farming and, and exactly. whatnot. And gives you everything that you need to to feel good. You know, it makes that decision a little bit easier. Yeah. Whether that's to completely eliminate or just partly or whatever.
0: Yeah. So I just yeah, I, I knew it was going to be difficult and I don't know why I just decided to jump straight into it. I usually hear people ease themselves in. But yeah, I just thought if I'm going to do it, I need to just do it and cut it out straight away. And I knew that I'd have to learn a bit along the way. And yeah, it just got easier and easier as I went on. And I actually really enjoy the food that I eat. So it made me appreciate food so much more.
1: Yeah. So the, the food that you are eating now compared to sort of when you started, is it very similar? Um, you know, how, how have things changed, I guess?
0: I actually don't know if it's that different. So I was, I think without even knowing it, I was quite plant-based as I was going through uni, mainly because it was so affordable. I would just like buy, so I used to live off $30 a week. My weekly grocery shop was $30. I'm a real good tight ass. (laughs) So I would go and get pasta, pasta sauce, frozen veggies, rice, and I think I'd get some canned tuna. So that wasn't vegan. Um, and I'd get some eggs. And then that's what I'd eat throughout the whole week. Okay. It's and and like, what
1: what's a typical, I guess, day of eating look f- like for you now?
0: So I eat a lot more than what I did back then. Depending on how I'm feeling and what I've got on for the morning, I'll usually have only something really light for breakfast because I just find I function better. And if I eat a real b- big, heavy meal, I can kind of get quite tired, so I do like a big bowl of oats every every now and again because it's so tasty and it really fills your stomach. But it actually makes me feel a bit tired. So okay. I've had to, I used to eat a lot. Like so memory. you go a bit
1: lighter in the morning. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So I have yeah a big bowl of oats or something light like fruit and nuts. Then for I'll have a midday snack. Usually might be like a protein ball that I've made. Or some rice cakes and peanut butter and banana. I love those. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so quick and easy.
0: Yes. It's like my staple. That Either rice cakes and peanut butter or rice cakes and avocado. Can't go wrong. And um, then for lunch, I'll either have like leftovers from the night before or I'll try and make something quick like veggies, chickpeas, um, sprinkle some like nutritional yeast and have some quinoa. Yeah. Like read sounds up. Young. Yeah, and then for dinner, it's I've kind of got like a meal that I roll through. I'll change it up every now and again, but I love like satay veg, veggies with tofu and quinoa. And then I'll have pa- like we have pasta on the frequent with lots of veggies. And I make, um, so the day I found out about cashew parmesan, was the best day of my life. <laughs> like, it like take us
1: through, take us through oh, cashew bars.
0: It's sprinkled on everything. It's so easy to make. So if you have a food processor, you just get cashews, nutritional yeast, onion powder, uh, salt and pepper, and then blend it up and sprinkle oh, it on. It'll change your life. It's so good. I sprinkle it on everything, and it's good. Like nutritional yeast has so much protein in it. It's so good for like the amount that yeah, you yeah, get. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, It tastes amazing.
0: Yeah, I love it. So I
1: can go on everything.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So I have that like pasta with my cashew parmesan. And I'm like yourself, a big Buddha bowl fan because you can just chuck whatever in.
1: It's a great way just to go, okay, well, what what do I have left over that needs to be eaten in the next couple of days? Yeah. And you just, you know, whether it's on the pan or baking or whatnot. And usually within 10 15 minutes, it's. Quite often I'm asked, well, doesn't it take ages to prepare the food? And I can sort of understand that from someone who hasn't done it before. Yeah. But once you get used to it, it's it's got to be, you know, the same time as it would to make an animal-based yeah, meal exactly. or at least a bit, bit quicker. Yeah. I don't think one or the other is extremely different.
0: And um, you're like, cook it simultaneously yeah. as well. It's not yeah. like you're separately making each one.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: I usually go sweet potatoes, put them in the oven. And then I will do put the quinoa on. Then I'll start like prepping my tofu or my tempeh, or if I've got lentils yeah. that day, make them nice and saucy. Then I'll get whatever other yeah. veggies and so get the, them the entire
1: prep time is just dictated by the sweet potatoes because exactly. everything else happens exactly. while they're cooking yeah. anyway. Yeah. So if you eat steak and sweet potato, it's no different for the time. Exactly. <laughs> Either way, the potatoes need to cook. But, but yeah. the, what, what I like from what you just went through is that, you know, these foods are very easily accessible for most people. They're yeah. not overly fancy. Yeah. Nice. And, you know, one of the other things that people may often um, question is, is plant-based eating going to be more expensive? Yeah. Do you, do exactly. you get that question often?
0: I do. Like people often say, oh, isn't it really expensive? And I was like, have you looked at how expensive steak is? <laughs> like, It's yeah. so dear. Same with all meat. So, yeah, I definitely think vegan is quite an affordable option if you do it smart and you don't need to go out and buy all that like all um, that
1: trendy. Yeah, the
0: trendy stuff. fake meats and like that can get expensive and I will have them like as a treat here and there. But the bulk of my diet is... Tofus, lentils, veggies, yeah. tempeh. More
1: the whole foods or yeah. close to whole foods. And like you making that parmesan at home. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're buying the $14 jar of vegan cheese yeah. and you've got nine kids, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. going to add up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. So you, you're um, your boyfriend. Yeah. And can, can we get his name again?
0: Jeffroy.
1: Jeffroy. I'm going to write that down. Je, I'm going to spell it wrong, but it's going to be how I would pronounce it. Jefois. Yeah. One little thing of it. Okay. So did he? So did he go plant based at the same time as you? What, what is does what his sort of plate look like? Does it differ to yours?
0: Yeah. So being French Canadian, he's still stuck in his like dairy roots. They're quite known for like milk, cheese, and meat as well.
1: I thought it might have been a little harder for him.
0: Yeah. It is. He loves cheese. Like I think it runs through his veins. It's quite disgusting, but <laughs> yeah. So he eats, he'd eat probably like a 90% okay, plant-based. So he's nearly yeah. there, yeah, yeah, yeah He yeah. never, like, he never asked me to cook a separate meal or anything. Oh, so
1: he'll eat so whatever you cook, he Yeah, he's
0: really good like
1: that. And then he just does a little bit of his own thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if he's out with his friends or if we're out to dinner, I always watch him and he orders the meat. I'm like, oh, why'd you have to do that? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's his choice. He's a big boy, but... Yeah, as long as he's supportive and he tries his best and he does enjoy vegan food. So he knows why I'm doing it. I just don't know if he's around that headspace where he thinks he can do it. He's still in that mindset yeah. that he needs to be like to put on muscle and stuff that he needs to the eat a little bit and stuff. And, yeah. I mean,
1: as you said, as long as he's supportive of what you're doing yeah, uh, and how you eat and you guys can still eat together, that's yeah, exactly. obviously a very important part yeah. of it. What about your, you know, friends, your siblings, your family? What what have they sort of, I'm, I'm sure they have, past comment on you and, and how you've changed your eating?
0: Yeah. So my family aren't like the most supportive of it. Like my mum is awesome. Like she'll go out and get me special food at family functions and always try and cook a vegan alternative for me, which is really nice. But yeah, I... Not so much anymore, but I still get, like, the odd passing comment and that sort of thing, and I try not to take the bite. Every now and again I do, but then I usually end up in tears because I get a bit emotional about it.
1: Yeah, so, like, (laughs) can you run us through? I mean, I find it interesting to hear from someone whose family may not be, all of them might not be 100% supportive, or I guess understanding is probably a better word. They're
0: supportive. Yeah, they're they're supportive.
1: Yeah, so, you know, you said it before. Your inspiration behind changing It Was On Your Plate was from an ethical point of yeah. view. Is that like a discussion that you've had with them? Have they watched any of these documentaries that hit home for you?
0: Yeah, I think I made mum watch Cowspiracy and like she can get behind it. And I know she tries to eat more like plant-based, but she's just not full vegan, but yeah, no one in the rest of the family has watched it, I don't think. But my, like, I, I've got a sister who's quite supportive and she, like, I stayed with her quite a bit and she was loving my vegan meals and she always talks about how good they were. So definitely have that support there. It's just my brother's actually a butcher. So he's oh, wow. got, yeah, he's got quite a tie to that as well. So he can be quite defensive and I don't usually talk about it with him. Yeah, it's quite a
1: It's, it's tricky. A funny I mean, we touched on it before. It's tricky. It can be tricky with strangers. It can be even trickier with family.
0: Especially um, if he's like, his livelihood kind of yeah. like focuses on it. But it's, yeah, it's so tricky to yeah. have a chat about it because I definitely don't agree with that practice. But he's my f- family. It's so like, I love uh, and support so him like, anyway.
1: I guess, you know, one, one of the best things you can do is just lead by example
0: yeah definitely some
1: people more often than not people when they're ready start asking questions exactly Um, yeah that's what my
0: I feel my like sisters do and they're
1: starting to ask a few questions and they're really supportive then then that's kind of like that person is in a position where they're ready for information as opposed to like just giving the information to someone who isn't
0: yeah because they're not going to take it on on board anyway everyone's got that And it's hard to go through things with an open mind, especially when you've got that viewpoint. uh, And I suppose it just comes uh, from accessing things with an open mind. I think that's what's helped me um, get through life.
1: Just to clarify that, I'm not saying you always have to wait for someone to ask you a question, but like... You know, you know who you're dealing with. Exactly. You know, like yeah, everyone right. has a good idea, like especially your siblings because you yeah. know them very well. Like,
0: yeah. you know,
1: is this going to be received nicely or are they going to think I'm pushy? Am I provoking an argument? Yeah. And it's just navigating through that, which is a challenge, but you learn from every conversation and yeah. just hopefully get better and better at it. Do you, so we've spoken about the food side of things. What about supplements? Do you take any regular supplements like b12 or things like that
0: yeah so i have this iron powder that's like iron it's like mainly like beetroot and camu camu yep. and stuff and it's iron and vitamin c okay so cool. i'll mix that in with some water that's and great that. do you know
1: what what brand that is
0: it's called Vitius. okay yeah Vitius, and up. it's iron plus c I'd, yeah i'll i'll take a photo and send it to you
1: okay yeah. cool
0: um, and then I do take B twelve. I was taking it quite frequently, mm. but I was getting quite a bit bad breakouts from it mm. from having it every day. And do you know
1: I've, what dosage it was that you are taking?
0: Yeah, so it's, I think it was like two thousand five hundred. How often were you taking it? I was taking it daily.
1: Yeah, it's this is one of these things. Like I've I've been speaking about B B twelve dosage. Yeah, uh, is quite tricky. Yeah, and. There's some bottles are two thousand five hundred, some are two hundred and fifty, yeah. some are five hundred, but yet everyone seems to just take them all every day. Yeah,
0: I know. <laughs> I tell I told my friend who's a dietitian, she's like, "Whoa, you should yeah. be taking that like once a week or yeah. like once every fortnight." Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. so t- yeah, like you want like two thousand two two thousand five hundred micrograms a week. Yeah, uh, maximum. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, it's good. Good to know. Yeah. yeah, my I never had acne before. Well, I'd had like the odd breakout here and there. And in these past two years, I went to the doctor and they did a blood test and they said my stores were high but my active is low, I think, or maybe the other way around. And so she immediately, she's like, oh, we'll just give you a B12 shot. She didn't just give me one shot. She put me through three doses over, like, three weeks. It was crazy. Like, she just flooded me with it.
1: Yeah, wow. Do you know if they tested for... MMA or homocysteine. Have you heard of those? No. So they're like markers. They're like a B12, like a marker of B12 deficiency. Okay. Which sometimes can be more accurate than just measuring serum B12. Yeah. But anyway, so keep going. So you you had that.
0: Yeah. And I just, it all started on my chest and I just started to get like these dots all through my chest. And all of a sudden this massive breakout on my chest, my back, up through my neck, all around my face. And my boyfriend's like, what is going on? You like never break out like this. And I did not know. So we're trying to, from the start, he was like, it's that B12 shot you're getting. Yeah. Like, it's the only thing that's different. And I was like, no, B12 is good for me. I, like, it's fine. And I just went through. I spent like hundreds of dollars on going to the dermatologist. I spent, I went to the doctor so many times. Did so you're giving me me st- bring it back to the B12? Nah never even asked about my lifestyle, Um, gave me these like hectic acne drugs. And then I was like, no, I'm sick of this. It's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. And I went to a naturopath and she did like this whole like lifestyle background. And I mentioned like, oh, my boyfriend thinks it's the B12 shot. And he's, she's like, oh yeah, it actually could be. I've read a few papers on like, you've got like, you could have this protein in your skin or like a bacteria or something that can make you break out if you've got excessive B12. So, yeah, she like nailed it down to that. And so I just went a few months without taking B12 and it cleared up. And now every now and again, if I go a bit too hard with the B12, I'll get a little it's, break out. Yeah,
1: it's not uncommon. Yeah. And I mean, even, even people who are not vegan that take like a B vitamin type supplement yeah. and they take it and they... If they're getting too many B vitamins in their diet plus that, they get breakouts. It's yeah.
0: it's interesting because you never hear about that. And like doctors will never tell you yeah. that if unless like I can't say for all doctors, but I've never heard anything about like over like side effects of B twelve yeah. or B vitamins.
1: Yeah. You hear
0: side effects of overdosing on iron, but not B vitamins.
1: Yeah, and it just brings up a good point that too much too much of vitamins and minerals is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's important not just to be Mind-less opening up the supplement yeah. cupboard every day yeah. and smashing whatever you can and not thinking about, okay, well, what's in my diet? Yeah. What did the blood test show and what's the dosage of all of these? Exactly. And it's really easy to jump online and search nutrient reference values, whatever country you're in, yeah. and work out exactly how much of B12 iron or whatever it is that you're meant to have. So yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Okay. So that's, I guess your diet, the diet side of things. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You're doing a ton of training. Mm -hmm. You're putting up so much inspirational content online, which is no doubt inspiring a lot of people to also get physically active. Mm -hmm. How is, is your sort of nine to five every day or around training? What are you, what are you doing for, for work?
0: So, my focus with my own training is more on movement. So, I will do, I have quite a big variety. So, I like to expose my body to different styles of training and just try and experiment with movement and make my body as suppose, versatile and ready for all things as possible. That's kind of my goal and my philosophy behind fitness. So, I will do two strength days a week. Then I do like two to three mobility kind of movement calisthenic style training, which is a lot what you see on my Instagram. And then I will do some sort of like cardio a week, like maybe go for a run or do go for a swim, swim laps, especially this time of year. It's like beautiful summer weather. And yeah, I usually try to like go through cycles of that can change from week to week. I don't don't really have a strict program. I, with my strength at the moment, because I'm trying to get stronger, I do follow like uh, I think it's a 12-week strength cycle.
1: Okay. What's that entail?
0: Oh, it's just like with following the principles of progressive overload, um, adding either – so we're starting with a high rep scheme, working through that muscular endurance. Then we're going through like a mid-range, more about the building the muscle, the strong foundations through like a 12-week. Rep scheme like 10 to 12, yeah, hypertrophy heart yeah. style training. And then we're moving down from 10 to six. We never go past six because yeah. it's most people that come to our gym are general pop. So we don't think that they really need yeah. to be lifting max reps. And we're just about getting stronger and more functional for every day. Okay. Life.
1: So, so that over that 12 week period, you're moving from that high rep range down to that low. Yeah. That works. Yeah. And
0: steadily increasing the load. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, cool. And, you know, personally speaking, how how long would you train for most days?
0: Uh usually only like 30 minutes to an hour.
1: Okay. So not yeah. not too long. Yeah. And
0: I, I used to train a whole lot more. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely getting less and less with age and the more I find my body needs to move for longevity. And yeah. there's less of that focus on intensity, rather than um, more focus on intention rather than intensity.
1: Yeah. And what what sort of emphasis do you play? I guess on on recovery. Are there anything that you do specifically, or any types of foods, or do you have protein or things like that? Like,
0: um, I will have a protein shake usually, not after every session, but I definitely like like that as a good post workout snack. Like I'll have, I can never have just protein powder and water. That's just disgusting. I like to have at least enjoy it. So I'll have raspberries, protein powder, like a I use a pea and rice protein from
1: Bulk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually I I send quite a few people to them. They're yeah, they're good. good. Value.
0: And yeah. I went down to their factory where they make everything and they clearly distinct their vegan and vegetarian range with their whey range. They've got oh, two separate lines. rooms. There's no yeah. cross contamination contamination. They're yeah. like really
1: respectful. Which is like really that. different, I guess, to a lot of brands yeah, that are yeah. running both through the same mm, machine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. So you wouldn't you wouldn't quite know. So yeah, they have got quite a good plant-based range. Um, Yeah, so I have a post-workout smoothie generally or I'll just try and get like as much protein. Like I'll have a protein snack. It's usually after, before lunch, my workouts are or before dinner. So it's pretty easy to get that nutrition and like the post-workout meal in.
1: Okay. And for someone listening who might be female or male or whatever, who is wanting to to start moving, what Mm -hmm. are sort of your... I guess, top tips for actually having the motivation to to exercise regularly and what form of, of exercise would you recommend for people?
0: So I think with this fitness culture that we've got, we kind of get led to believe that we need to start out just going to the gym five days a week. And that's not true. You don't need to just drop everything and get to the gym five days a week. One of the biggest things I find that makes clients fall off the bandwagon is adherence and patience. Like we always just want to go straight into fast results, a 12-week challenge or straight into kicking it in the gym five days a week when it's all about just creating simple, small habits. So just increasing your steps every day or going for a walk, adding a walk to the end of the day. It doesn't need to be something extreme for you to start and for you to start feeling good and seeing results. So yeah, start small, work your way up, find something that inspires you, makes you interested. So if you don't want to go to the gym and run on a treadmill and do bicep curls, you don't need to do that. You can find other ways to move do something that inspires you to get more active and something that you're going to stick to.
1: So true. Cause the adherence is the, is ultimately the key. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and something needs to be sustainable for you. Definitely.
0: And we, we glorify the gym so much and around getting fit. And that kind of comes back to those aesthetic ideals. It's like, Oh, if I go to the gym, I'm going to look like those people that step up into a bikini on on stage at um, bodybuilding competitions. But it's so not true. You just just try to get be more active. That's that's probably the biggest flaw we're having in our society, and that's why we're having such a overweight crisis. Is because we're not active and one hour a day slogging it out in the gym isn't necessarily going to improve your overall quality of life. So I just try and be mindful of ways that you can be more active, appreciate your body, see what it can do. And yeah.
1: It's interesting because I mean, you sort of spoke to, I guess, the fitness culture a little bit there and that when I look at it, there's been this cycle of where, you know, five years ago, there was a lot of services and products, and there still is many today, but mm-hmm. built around quick fixes and yeah. lots of promises, yeah. but not teaching people principles of how to live healthy, mm-hmm. which they can adhere to and, and is sustainable. Yeah. Do you see this, this, you know, do you sort of feel what I'm feeling now that it's actually – there's like this increased level of transparency and people like you are starting to talk and educate about. Yeah. It's it's not about these quick fixes.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thanks to the power of social media, we do have, like it can promote the other side as well, but we can also have people promoting a positive message and one that's more of a lifestyle base that you can try and work to get results from day-to-day life. Like it's not something that, is going to be short. It's not in a tablet. <laughs> it's not in a skinny coffee. Yeah, it's not in a 12 week challenge. It's in something that you can set as a habit, set as something that maybe is a bit disciplined, like get you into the discipline of moving every day. But yeah, not thinking that it has to be something that punishes your body as well. So a lot of us, are—we we don't all have the time to spend ages in the gym slogging it out. And we've got other responsibilities. And I think with the stress of day-to-day life, not everyone needs to go in and add more stress by getting in the gym and grinding their body down. And I think there can be a bit of a culture with that. Like you have to challenge yourself all the time. You have to push beyond your limits where you guys are, a lot of people that are working in offices or anything, you're pushing your your limits in other ways maybe movement should be something about adding something else to your day or improving your brain function and performance so you can perform better in the office or better at work and yeah it doesn't always need to be about this physical performance
1: so where your training is it is the iron right yep is that is this something that you speak to your clients that are coming? Because that that's is that essentially like a gym or what's it like? How's how's it working there?
0: Yeah, so it's a it's a strength and conditioning gym. So we do follow like a typical strength program. We do this like your prime movements: your lift, yeah, squat, deadlift, row, like pull and push, and yeah, and lunge, rotation, cardio. So we base our program off that then moving to like some progressive overload to try and progress, um, clients. It's always from a performance stand base, but there's always a kind of like a theme behind it. Whereas we're not here to push our body to break. We're here to challenge our body and be better than yesterday. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a good program. So I didn't write the program that is delivered to the classes and, but it, It kind of moves more from setting down strong movement foundations. So we're all about grooving the pattern, getting everyone thinking about their movement, how they can move better. And then as we progress, we can start to challenge that. I really like it. And it gives people a different perspective on the way fitness has to be. They're more conscious of their movement rather than just slogging it out straight away.
1: Most people that are coming in, I guess, and training there, are like, is is that in the CBD? Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, People coming out of
1: offices and stuff. Yeah. And are they, do they ask questions about what you eat?
0: Not generally. We do have a nutrition coach at ION. I don't give nutrition advice. I'm not a nutritionist, but um, yeah. So she generally gives out advice to people who have like particular, maybe performance goals or even if it is a body composition goal and they're wanting to maintain a healthy weight, she usually gives out. She yeah. usually does that. So,
1: do you, are you finding that, is it, is there more and more people that are talking about incorporating more plants? Like some of your clients down there, is that like a, th- a common theme?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And like no one can argue that a diet that's majority plants is better for you. And I'm finding that more prevalent in the industry and everyone I talk to as well. I don't know if they're just saying it to me because I'm a vegan or...
1: (laughs) (laughs) But like the nutritionists down there, they sort of, they also get that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I actually talked to Marika. She's one of our nutritionists as well. Um, Marika Day, she's awesome. She's not vegan, but she pushes the benefits of plants. And Yeah, yeah, she's quite educational about like every now and again, she'll do a post on vegan B12 sources and or like how to make sure you're getting complete proteins as a vegan. So, yeah, she's quite good with that. And she did it. She actually did a post last night on a story. There was this thing that came out about the most sustainable diet. I saw it. Yeah. It's the
1: Planet planet Diet, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Planetary Diet.
0: Yeah. So she did some screenshots from that and like highlighted that it's mostly plants and, yeah yeah
1: it's um it's it was an amazing see. article i read yeah. i read it yesterday it was published in the lancet um yeah, journal I think I- and they what i found that was really nice about the article that i read i think i read the article was on national geographic they wrote an article about that paper mm-hmm. and essentially this planetary diet which they found to be good for health also for the planet's health It lines up very closely with the Okinawan diet, which is like a blue zone. Yeah. You know, so where they show longevity and they're very healthy. They have a high quality of life. They very rarely have medications. Mm -hmm. They die of old age. They don't die of chronic disease. Mm -hmm. At the same time, this study has shown that the way that they're living not necessarily looking at them, just the way if you eat those foods, you're having mm-hmm. less impact on the planet. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it wasn't about being 100% plant-based, but it was like, I think it was like 50 grams or something of meat a day, Yeah, which is people, not much. I
0: know. And people, like, look at that and they're like, what? That's all the steak I can eat? Like, if you look, it's like a tw- it's not much That's bigger tiny. than a 20-cent piece. It's yeah. like the size of your palm. And the amount of meat you see people like eating day to day and they think that it needs to be the center of every meal like breakfast lunch and dinner it's just complete comparison to what everything else says
1: okay i want to ask you a few i guess bigger picture issues which sort of flow on nicely from that mm-hmm. from from that study do you think ab- about the the impact that your food every time you're eating is having on the planet, sustainability and things like that—is that, has that become important to you?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to be more conscious of the amount of plastic I am consuming and it is very difficult. It's hard. It's like everything comes in plastic. Tofu, it's the hardest thing. I know.
1: We were saying the other day like someone needs in Sydney but in every city needs to have like, not just bulk foods of nuts and seeds and grains. They need to have like your tofu and just go in there and pick it out of like a big thing and put it in your your container that you bring in.
0: There's actually this brand down in Wollongong. It's Indonesian-inspired. It's this amazing restaurant, actually. I should have told you. There's this place called Barley Spice Magic, and they do Indonesian food. That's good. It's not all vegan, but they have an awesome vegan menu, and it's delicious. I love it. Um, they actually do tempeh, but it comes wrapped in banana leaves. I think I've spoken awesome. to these
1: guys before. Oh, I gotta yeah? i got to get down there. This tempeh is, like, famous. I think yeah, someone sent it yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's cool. So try get on that bandwagon. But, yeah, tofu, like, everything comes in plastic. It's so hard. Mm. But the things that you can do, which is super easy, is just replacing your water bottle, uh, bringing a keep cup and – Taking your grocery bags, your canvas bags.
1: Yeah, you can start with that low-hanging fruit. Exactly. Make, make a big impact.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then try and progress from yeah. there. Yeah,
1: and hopefully from a brand point of view in society, it, it gets easier yeah, for people.
0: Yeah, people um, are making that jump. Big companies are making that yeah. jump and making that link between sustainability and what they're producing. Like Even, like, I do some work with Adidas and they've got that whole partnership with Parlay where they make A good range of their products out of recycled ocean plastic. plastic, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some of those. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You do need to wash it a certain way because the microplastics. Ah, All right. Yeah. What do you do?
1: Put in a bag or? Yeah. Yeah. You've got to
0: put in a bag, like a delicates bag kind of thing. Yeah. I had
1: um, Tim Silverwood on. Yeah. Yeah, And We were speaking about microplastics. So I found (laughs) I had to laugh. It's, It's probably not that funny, but I. I ordered some food from a plant-based cafe on Uber Eats.
0: Yeah,
1: the other day it was a new a new place.
0: Yeah,
1: I think it was Asian cuisine, and the food turned up in sort of like biodegradable packaging. It yeah. was like the 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 whole you know like the brown bottom. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's like a paper material.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So
1: like I was like oh this is this is good. They're, they've got um they're onto the packaging here. Yeah, but then. <laughs> They had a complete, like, so that was just like sitting on the bottom, but inside it was like a full plastic bowl. And a plastic lid, oh. so it was like double packaging. And I was like, I think they missed the point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think they missed the point. I was gonna, I was going oh, to write that's them a So note. funny. Yeah, I think yeah, they, they tried too because they, they are trying. They tried. Like, you can tell that
0: they're <laughs> trying, but they, yeah, they definitely missed the point. Do you know what I find really hard to get in the habit of? Because I never even want a straw, but I'm always given one. It's so hard, like, cause you never know when you're gonna get mm. given one. Yeah, so you like ask a drink, and then know, all of a sudden that, there's a straw in it, and, and like, once oh, what it's do in I? There, yeah, exactly. What do yeah. I do with
1: this? It's the same as the co- like the the coffee. Like, I'm guilty. I usually have a a cup that I take down, but yeah. if I don't, I say double espresso, no lid. Yeah, right. Yeah. So at least it's a paper, paper cup, yeah. right? And there's no lid, and oh, sorry, I think five, six times out of ten i will put the lid on yeah. and like, I'll, and you, I'll take it all off and say you can keep it, but they've written on the top foam. and it's got foam <laughs> yeah. and it's like, <laughs> yeah. damn it. Yeah.
0: Usually if I, if I forget my keep cup, often I'll be like, oh, just put it in a mug and I'll scull it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So the, I guess I want to know what's, what's the overarching reason that you love doing what you do? Why, why do you love, training people and inspiring people to be healthier and and enjoy their fitness.
0: I suppose with all that I've been through and my passion for health and fitness has been brewing over a long long time. I can get people to see a different side of what they would view as fitness. So I don't know if you've seen some of my stuff, but I'm quite movement orientated. So
1: I saw that Um, big tire that you're pushing around. Oh, yeah. I love
0: love a good tire workout. I like to get outdoors to move. So, I'm not one of those people that love going to the gym. I do like going to the gym, especially if there's a community vibe. But I just feel so much better if I can combine my workout with getting outdoors. Because a lot of with what we do in society, we don't get enough opportunity to get outdoors. And I think if you can combine the two, it's a good way to double dip and get some vitamin d as well as get your sweat on it's also a good way for you to be creative with your workout so i think we also don't play enough and a lot of what we do is so structured if if you are going to the gym five times a week there's some movements that you're missing out on and we tend to like focus on these like bilateral movements and we're in like the sagittal plane we think that we're stuck to the sagittal plane as we move so Just to explain to the audience, we have three planes of movement and in the gym, we're usually either like squatting, deadlifting, uh, rowing, and not really getting out of that sagittal plane, which is where where we spend a lot of our life, where in day-to-day life, we can get exposed to everything. And a lot of the injuries occur through our other planes. So we've got the frontal plane, the sagittal plane, and the transverse plane. So your frontal plane, if you think about getting my um, trainer hat on. This is
1: great.
0: (laughs) We're imagining that we're in a corridor. We've got walls either side of us, so we can only move forward and back. That's the sagittal plane. For the frontal plane, we've got the wall in front and behind us, so we can only move side to side. And then with our transverse plane, we can rotate. We're in more of a cylinder and we can move around. And so that's how, as trainers, we categorize movement. And... In day-to-day life, a lot of the injuries that we get is usually in those other two planes because yeah. we're usually strong in our forward and back movements, but side-to-side and rotation um, can leave us exposed. So that's why I like to do the kind of movements that I do. As you can see, I'm like constantly rotating, moving side-to-side, just playing because I think that's, that's a big thing. Part that we're mi- missing out of our life, and it kind of gives you an extra stimulus as well. It doesn't always need it's to be def- loaded.
1: Yeah, it's that word playing is like we we as adults we think playing is for kids. Yeah, exactly. But if you can start to play, and what you're everything that you're talking about there is, I guess, functional movement patterns.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, not just yeah, exactly. in a single plane. Yeah, um, to build up strength, strength which can muscle. translate into everyday yeah, life.
0: Exactly. So I'm not saying that that's bad. It's awesome and it's another way to move. And if that's the type of movement that you enjoy doing, so be it. But then also I'd expose myself at least once a week to something new and something that's going to get my brain and my body thinking a bit differently.
1: Yeah, and keep challenging challenging yeah. yourself outside yeah. of you. I know myself because like, I, I train, I've trained in the gym for a number of years, yeah. but it's not everything that I do and I know that I need to get out. I, you know, working out on the bars and things that yeah. are a bit more functional and yeah. just exposing your body to completely different movement, movement patterns.
0: Yeah. So we always think that with our programs that we always need to progressively add load, whereas we can stimulate our bodies in so many different ways. And eventually there's only a certain amount of weight that you're going to be able to pull off the ground or a certain amount of distance you're going to be able to run or, yeah, I feel like... Experimenting with different forms of fitness is a good way to keep that variety up and just moving and playing.
1: It's a credit to you that you've been able to discover this 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 way of training and this outlook, I guess, on fitness, which mm-hmm. you can now teach to other people yeah. um, as a result of what we were talking about earlier in the episode. The challenges that you face, I guess, with fitness and health, and what that meant to you yeah. as a as a young person. Mm-hmm. And I can see just from talking to you now for an hour that your mindset has changed. Yeah. And I think as humans, we often think that um, if someone changes, it's like, oh, that person's changed. But like we as humans, we I mean, human being, we are a being because we're not stagnant. We yeah, exactly. forever evolving and transforming. Mm-hmm. So it's just nice to hear that you were able to take what many would think of as a negative situation from your childhood Mm -hmm. and turn it into such a positive that can then um, serve others.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, to go on that, I think if we keep our mind open to different things, then that's going to allow us to evolve way more. So I find it we can be quite close-minded and I don't know if it's just like people, especially in the fitness industry, wanting to jump in bandwagons and just staying in that one space. But, yeah, we tend to critique every other form of fitness. Like you've got your bodybuilders critiquing CrossFit and all that sort of thing, whereas we all should be working together. I think we've all got such amazing value to add to yeah. people's lives and a bit of everything is kind of a good way to get you Exposure up to different things, and I think we can talk to other people in the industry. We don't need to be in our camps.
1: Yeah, I completely agree yeah. with regards to that. Even if you look at, say, nutrition.
0: Yeah, the same right. Thing. Yeah,
1: like it's confusing for someone who's like you know may not have made any changes to their to their nutrition, and they're hearing all this paleo and keto mm. and plant based, but when you Strip it all back. There's like 80, 90% that most of everyone agrees on. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like if we focused on the 80 to 90% that everyone agreed on, instead of highlighting the, the, differences. the differences and bullet pointing, oh, keto is this, mm-hmm. paleo is this, and plant based mm-hmm. is this, and this is why they're all different. And then everyone's like, well, I don't know where to start, and I don't know who's telling the truth. Yeah. It's fitness industry, nutrition. If we could look at what everyone agrees on, mm-hmm. it would. Um, remove a lot of confusion <laughs>
0: yes i know and it's so I uh, yeah the poor consumer these days because they're just exposed to so much more of it because mm. of the internet and it can be so confusing whereas you've got to find something that works for you and that you can get comfortable in and you want to you will want to change it at points so you don't you don't need to do all variety at once that's just going you're going to set yourself up to be injury you need to get comfortable and learn how to be comfortable in one area, then expose yourself to something else, and yeah, learn from different things, and don't be, a, don't think that you need to put your flag down in one camp and stay there because there's so many different opportunities to move and different ways to be healthy and integrate that into your lifestyle.
1: Well, this has been great. I've learned a lot about you and 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 our listeners. A lot of great tips for the listeners. Is there anything that you think? we haven't covered that you'd like to to add? Or um, how can people connect, I guess, with you to, to ask you questions or to sort of follow the content that you're uploading?
0: Yeah. So I'm probably most prevalent on Instagram. I'm on Facebook as well, but I'm terrible at posting on Facebook. So I apologize if you do follow me on Facebook. But yeah, I'm most prevalent on Instagram and I'm usually pretty good with DMs, though it can be quite hard at times. I'll try and set some time to reply. And email is also good. So you can find my email on my Instagram if you want to get in contact or, yeah, if you've got any questions, want me to clarify anything, um, or you're having any concerns about getting started into a fitness routine, I'd be more than happy to help.
1: (laughs) Amazing. And my final parting question what do you think the world needs more of?
0: What do I think the world needs more of? I think I'm going to be very vegan and say compassion. <laughs> that's,
1: a common, that's a common one. <laughs>
0: oh, damn. I knew it would be. But I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, but, I'm, but I mean, it's, it's true.
0: Yeah, yeah. And respect. Respect for themselves and respect for other people. Yeah. So you got to start with yourself. Respect yourself and then you can learn to
1: respect other people. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. I'll, um, I'll have to come down with my girlfriend, Tanya. Yes. And maybe meet Geoffroy. Did I get that yep, right? Yep, we'll, yep, yep. Um, we'll have to check out that tempeh down in Wollongong.
0: Oh, I can take you to I can give you breakfast, lunch and dinner in Wollongong.
1: <laughs> okay, well, you're on. Sorted. <laughs> thank you very much.
0: All right. Thank you.
1: Howdy, friends. Hope you enjoyed that one. I'm sure many of you can probably relate to the social challenges associated with changing your diet that that Tanya and I spoke about, whether that's with a family member, your partner, or your friends. If you did enjoy the episode, both Tanya and I would love to hear your feedback. Please DM either of us or share your review or feedback on your Instagram story. And if you have a spare one or two minutes and haven't left a review on iTunes for this show, I would be super appreciative if you took the time to do so. It helps the show become more discoverable and gives people more reason to tune in. The reviews really do matter. If you don't have an Apple phone, I'll let it slide. Thanks in advance, folks, and I'll see you next week.